week to the Welsh Rugby Union's new performance director and day one of his job in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Yes, former Wales wing Nigel Walker started in that crucial role and we'll hear from him very shortly. Also, the regions kicked off their season last week and we'll hear from all four, including some past and potentially future Wales internationals. But first, it was the appointment of the interim coaching team to take charge of the Wales women for their autumn internationals. Garant Lewis and Johan Cunningham fronting that up. An interesting day one for Nigel Walker in his new role as WIU Performance Director, with an early focus on needing to change the fortunes of Wales women. Let's not dress it up. We've not covered ourselves in glory in all aspects over the last uh, couple of years. There's a recognition that that's the case. After being appointed within a, a day or two, I was given the review. It's quite a hard-hitting review. A lot of recommendations and, and tough statements in there, but all fair. We started to address some of those things, and at some stage in the future, I'm not going to put a time on it, we will come and I will talk about those recommendations, and more importantly, I'll talk about what we're going to do in order to implement those recommendations and put right some of the failings which have been identified. So how important a part moving forward is women's rugby in the overall scheme of things? There's a recognition that it hasn't been given the focus that perhaps it should have been given in recent times and if I were in any doubt, I'm in no doubt now, uh, that it's going to be one of my priorities going forward. And it's a challenge, but the resource is going to be made available. I like to think I know a little bit about a performance environment and what it takes to excel in elite sport and some of those fundamentals are not there at the moment and we're addressing that. How far away are we on a clearly aligned pathway? The talent pathway has holes in it at the moment. I think if you look at girls coming into the game, the numbers are pretty good further down the pathway. But when you get up to 16, 17, 18, the pathway is not where we would like it to be. Those areas need to be addressed. And if you look at our top women, a number of them are playing in England, that in itself is not necessarily a problem. But what it does to the pathway, and in terms of girls being able to see a route through to playing international rugby, that's why it presents a problem. But it'd be easy for me to say, yes, we're going to fix that. You know it's not as straightforward as that. It needs a great deal of thought, and there's likely to be a transition period where you might go to one or two or three or four clubs over a period of time. And then you've got to look at how many you've got at that level, sort of 18, 19, 20, 21, the number of international or potential international players you've got at that level. So there are a number of ways of looking at this, and I'm not ducking the question, it's a difficult one, but we've got to get it right, otherwise we're not going to perform to our potential at international level unless we get that stage right. Do you think the WIU can make that honest commitment to to young girls as far as rugby is concerned? In short, yes. Will there be enough money for that and where will the money come from because it'll probably have to come from another sector? I'm not going to get into the actual figures but I have seen the actual figures over the past few weeks and there's more money in the pot for women's rugby than there has been at any other stage. Now, I'm not telling you that that figure will stay constant and that figure will be enough. As the ambition grows, obviously, you need more money. But the figures that I've seen made available for the game in Wales over the next year or two, enough to take the game forward. It depends how ambitious we want to be 
and the problems that I've identified, how much money it will cost to address those problems. But you wouldn't expect me to be making policy on day one. I need to have a look at it, but I recognise the issues that you're referring to. What I will make a commitment to is that the recommendations of the review will be honest and transparent about those. The World Cup next year, ironically, we've never had so many semi-professional professional players in inverted commas, you know, 40 of them playing in a very good league. Mm. What's it going to take to pull this team up from its bootstraps and make it more presentable to the public? Well, the World Cup's going to be a challenge. You'd expect it to be a challenge because the best teams in the world are going to be there. Obviously, the results of the recent Six Nations were not what anybody wanted. Uh, but this is a, f- a fresh start. A young, enthusiastic, ambitious interim coaching team. The search is underway for the head coach. We're going to take the three games in the autumn. We're going to build. We're going to learn from that. We'll then move to the Six Nations. And I know this sounds like really trite stuff, but that's what we're going to do. And then we're going to look towards the World Cup. It's never easy to turn things around. It's not easy to win at international level. The resource is there. The commitment is there. And I think the know-how is there. And we're just going to take that old cliché, each step as it comes, each game as it comes. But we know that the ambition is there and we know where we want to be. We know where we want to take this programme. The World Cup, the so-called 2021 World Cup, being played in 2022, that's a fixed date. There's nothing we can do about that. We have to be as best prepared as we can be to meet the challenges that that's going to throw at us. The most fundamental thing for me is making the squad of players who were at camp on the weekend, feel loved, cherished, and making them understand that we are as ambitious for the women's game as they are. And I think that's where we start. You need people to be coming to camp knowing that when they come, they're going to get this, the level of resource that they would expect, the quality of coaching that they would expect, the science and medicine support that they would expect, and that we've got ambitions for the game in Wales. That's the fundamental thing for me. How big a part of your job is the women's game? The women's game is front and centre. It's been made very clear to me it's one of my priorities. And I'm happy to take that on. I've just come from a job where 400 members of staff spread over nine sites in England dealing with Olympic, Paralympic sport. All the science and medicine, ologies. I've done all of that. And yes, this is a priority but it doesn't mean that you can only have one priority. I've got a number of priorities, a number of areas for the job, and I'll be taking those forward as quickly as I can. How difficult a decision was it to say, yes, I'll take this job? Uh, Not a difficult decision at all. I used to go pay when I was 12, 13, to go and watch Cardiff play. Gerald Davis was my favourite player, if anybody's interested. Welsh rugby is in my blood. I had a dual career, obviously. This is something I feel passionate about, and if I didn't think I could make a difference, I wouldn't have accepted the offer to come and work for the Welsh Rebellion. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Onto the regions now. Winning starts for the Ospreys in Cardiff, close run things for the Dragons and Scarlets. The two winning teams face off against each other in Swansea this weekend. So let's hear from them both now. 
One of the players to make an impression for the Ospreys was centre Michael Collins, just arrived from New Zealand and Welsh qualified through a grandparent. Certainly head coach Toby Booth thinks he has great potential. I thought it was great. I mean, he delivered a performance that we hoped he would. He basically showed the reason that we recruited him because he added to the game controlling side of things. He's got the skills and backs himself in relation to play from attack and he's got a very, very good kicking game. So from from that point of view, I thought it was a a pretty comprehensive all-round performance. Stepped up in in the red zone and gets himself a couple of tries as well. So you want players that can influence a game and he certainly did that. He's only just arrived, but is he ready, you know, to take the step up to Wales level? There's a lot of competition for that. And that's why derby games are important for every player, because you're marking yourself about your, against your competition internationally. One of the reasons Mike, you know, was keen to come to us was to put his hand up for Wales. And if he performs consistently like he did on, uh, on the weekend, then it, it can't do his chances any harm and, and obviously puts him further down the queue. So what did Michael Collins himself make of scoring a couple of tries on his Ospreys debut? Yeah, a bit of luck involved in that, but it was nice to contribute, I guess. I guess coming to a new spot, it's always nervous and you sort of obviously want to perform and, um, and sort of earn the respect of your, your teammates and whatnot. So, yeah, it was nice to get, a, get an away win down there. And yeah, Five years ago, you had a season over here. First time I've really spoken to you, you know, about coming over here. How difficult decision, how easy a decision was it to come back and to come back with the Ospreys? Yeah, look, I loved my time over here last time. Wales is a pretty pretty special place, and they're obviously rugby mad. So, as I, I guess my sort of attitude coming over last time, I was 22 maybe or something like that, and I was still contracted back with Otago in New Zealand. I came over for about six, seven months as a medical joker for Scotty and Liam. So, I think I almost treated it more like an OE and sort of used that as a rugby experience at the same way, and then. Ended up, yeah, playing my rugby and loving it and made some pretty good friends out of it. So, um, yeah, I love my time at the Scarlets. Yeah, obviously have pretty fond memories down there, but it'll be exciting to hopefully get back and play them at some stage. I think for me, going back was when I was younger, I guess I always had aspirations to play super rugby. And I hadn't when I was over here last time. And um, I think if I'd sort of maybe stayed or maybe not, attempted to fulfill that goal I think I probably would have been holding on to a bit of regret and whatnot so for me I think going back and, and managed to take off a few goals back in New Zealand I think on and, and then I knew I always wanted to come back at some stage I've looked a few times and there was yeah I guess with COVID and changing squads and all that stuff just the way yeah Boothie got in touch probably a year or a year or so ago now um, worked out well so Sometimes things line up like that and um, and sometimes they don't. So, yeah, it was nice to work this out, I guess. What impressed you about the Ospreys offer and the Ospreys approach and also since you've been over here? I guess both you've been here for a year or so, I think. Um, and it was obviously quite a, a new young team and it seemed like they were getting better each time. I think the way we're trying to play fits in with, with sort of my style, which I think, you know, if you want to come to a team, you want to be able to contribute and sort of buy into the way the team's going, that sort of fit in. I think the yeah, the staff Booty's got um, spoke to a few boys, so it was just sort of worked out well, to be honest. And you seem to have dovetailed well with uh, Owen Watkins so far. Yeah, no, Wago's Wago's a great player, and then you've got guys like Kieran Williams, who's obviously got a wee head knock at the moment, so he's getting back to full fitness. Tian's here, so there's some equality midfielders around here. I think Wago sees the game really well. He's a strong defender and that sort of stuff, so it's nice to. I guess, build relationships like that because I think 
that was something I found challenging that I've sort of played with a lot of the same people the last few years. So coming to a new environment, sort of learning how each other play instinctively is important. So I'm sure there'll be a couple of stuff ups along the road, but um, yeah, hopefully we can, we can spend the month together or however long these games are and um, yeah, and getting the good books with each other. And as a midfielder outside centre playing outside Gareth Anscombe, uh, how beneficial is that? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, obviously there's a, there's a few good quality teams around here. But yeah, for Gareth to come back after a couple of years out, like I obviously wasn't here, so I didn't see the the day in, day out what, what Chicken's gone through. But I've seen a lot of people sort of have long-term injuries and, and, and it doesn't always work out successfully. So I think it's credit to Gareth how he's worked to to get back in and then obviously he's he's showing his class but look he'll get better and better as he goes I think as far as a debut for him in his first game back I think he'll be pretty happy I thought he played well and you can just tell with with his touches and the time and the and, and the space he's got he's a pretty talented footballer you're obviously Welsh qualified Michael was that a factor in the move I think it makes the move more attractive from club's point of view because you don't need visa you don't count as a overseas player so um I think in that regard, like, especially when COVID happened, it was pretty challenging to get, I think, you know, squad size, get shorter and that sort of stuff. So I think getting foreign players from other countries over here has been a challenge for a lot of people. So, yeah, I think it's obviously worked out well. And yes, it's it's, it's something I always wanted to come back to. And playing for Wales is something you'd like to do, I suppose. Yeah, look, I think, I, I guess I've always downplayed it a wee bit coming over here, but I think as a... As an athlete, you sort of always want to um, be competitive against the, the best players in the world and sort of put yourself in environments where you're challenging against top players in your sort of area. But yeah, for me, I, I, again, as cliche as it is, it's about playing as, as well as I can for the Ospreys, um, buying into Boothie and Box and, and, and Fury Systems. And um, and yeah, if I fit in and, and, and doors open and I'm, I'm good enough to go through them, then that's the yeah, we'll cross that bridge then. For Cardiff, there's an interesting change of emphasis for former Wales age-grade player James Ratty. Director of Rugby Di Young explained why he's moved the player from the second row to number eight. We analyse, you know, our squad and, you know, he certainly came out to the top of the tree as one of our best carriers within the squad. And he certainly got the athleticism to, to play back row. And when I did a bit of research, he played a lot of back row in the early part of his career. And then because, you know, when he came to us, we were looking for the second row, more or less was pushed down that avenue. He can play second row with, you know, that's, you know, that's a given, given really. But everybody kept on telling me when we came here that, uh, when I came here, that we were missing a big ball carry in number eight. And to be honest, if you haven't really got the money to go out and buy, you know, you've got to produce your own. And that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm confident that he's certainly heading in the right direction. It's not a case that he's, you know, starting because he has played in the back row and he lots of positive carries on the on the weekend. And I think we've got to grow him as our player. I'm confident that he can deliver on, you know, what we're all hoping that we that we're looking for. And he's only going to get better in my eyes. Ratty himself is excited by the move. That's good to get a like a proper preseason. Then there's been no. Um problems going around, you know, no real um, COVID getting in the way. So it's been good to get back to normal rugby. How's it like going back to playing eight over the last year or so? It's something different for me. When I came into senior rugby, I I thought my best path to senior rugby was was through the row. But obviously getting the chance to change back is is something I was really excited about and something I've really enjoyed. 
and obviously the more I can do it, got to perform to play at this in this club with the strength of back row we've got. But no, I'm re- really enjoying. The guy was saying when he came in, he was being told by everyone that they needed a big ball carrying eight and not necessarily the money to go out and recruit one, so to develop from within. Are you a big ball carrying eight? You've got more aspects to your game than just just carrying over the game line, I think. I mean, you're quite skillful as well. I like to think so. I think there's obviously a bit more to me to that, but as an eight, half, that's half my job, to be honest, is uh, you know, getting the ball and going forward. I think it's not something I necessarily expected, just something I definitely was excited about. But no, I, I think I got the skills to be a ball carrier and and a ball player as well, which I think you need to be with the way we want to play at the moment. When you left Ospreys, did you think your path in professional rugby was coming to an end? I I, I always you know, believed that I could do it. I, I think it's you can't go in with a mindset of, you know, this might be done for me now. Like I, I made the switch here because I thought it would be the best opportunity for me to continue in senior rugby. And then when you're there, you've just got to apply yourself to the max. If you don't, then you don't want to leave any what-ifs out there. Hard yards, uh, playing for Cardiff in, in the Premiership. How has that shaped you and helped you to come on and to play the way you're playing now? I think playing Prem has been brilliant for me. And I think it is for a lot of the younger boys. The step from youth rugby to senior rugby, physically at least, is massive. So I think the four years I had playing in the Prem for different clubs shaped me to be how I am now. I wouldn't change any of it, any of it at all. Some players, you know, take the jump quite early, you know, they, they straight into the spotlight, playing regularly from 18. But I don't think that's the case with everyone. I think people, like lots of boys, will mature at different ages. And I think, you know, just because you have, you're not playing in the first team when you're 18, 19, doesn't mean it's done for you by any means. I think you just got to keep, you know, keep plugging away at it and show that, you know, you've got what it takes. The season's obviously, you know, without COVID or something. Is that something that you struggled with personally then? I'm not sure if it's just me personally. I think it's a lot of the players. The stop-start nature of the season, the spaces between games was a bit odd. Yeah. The testing and stuff was all new. So I think now we've gotten into more of a routine with the testing, etc. I think we're all managing it a bit better. So does it feel like you're actually part of like a, a regular rugby season now? Because like you say, the sort of the last 18 months has been all over the gaff, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's been chaos for not just rugby, but boys and their, their families and stuff. So it's been a, a tough time all around. But um, having it, everyone back and playing rugby normally again is, is great. And we're all enjoying Going back to what you said about your time in the Premiership, what are some of the things that you learned there that you've been able to transfer into senior professional rugby? Like I said, personally, I think it's brilliant because it's worked for me and I know lots of boys enjoy it. And I think it's like good here at um, Cardiff. We've got lots of boys when they go out and play, they play for, say, the Cardiff RFC. They get to play together as well. You know, the way we're playing and stuff will we'll translate down a little bit. So getting that experience, playing with other senior players, outstanding players in the Premiership, you just get an idea of the demands of senior rugby, especially at the, the top teams. And you said obviously you played for Cardiff a lot. When you were with the Ospreys, did you play for any of their clubs as well? Well, as far as a senior player goes, I've been a bit of a journeyman. I've uh, I had two years at Raven, which is outstanding. I loved it there. And then I had a year at Swansea as well, playing with uh, loads of uh, Ospreys boys at that point, younger boys coming down. Uh, really enjoyed that as well. 
how far along in your career do you think you are? I mean, you've adapted to a newish position. How much more improvement do you think there is to come from you by playing regularly at eight? I like to think quite a lot. I think it's still something I'm I'm working on all the time. By no means the finished article at, at eight. I got a lot, a lot of learning to do. So I'm just taking each match as it comes now and, and just trying to work on it, analyze my performances and just keep building, keep building. Was number eight always your position growing up and then you you went into the second row or were you always a bit of a hybrid? Just how much experience do you have in the back row? Uh, I was always uh, number eight growing up all the way through. I think it got to like, I played like Osprey 16s and stuff and then it got to uh, the Wales 16s and I had a, like an honest conversation with my dad who um, was coach to the championship and, stuff, and so he knows his stuff and we just bit of an honest decision was the route for me to get that cap at age grade was through the second row. So say take a step forward uh, in, into four and obviously still enjoyed it. it. It got me where I am now, but something you always think about in the back of your head is, or, you know, what could have been if I'd have st- stuck at eight. So I was talking about the need for that ball carrying number eight. How long is it before we can start calling you the new Nick Williams, do you think? <laughs> I think there's a, a good few years in it yet yeah, next uh you know outstanding player when i f- one of the first times games i played here when i came in big nick was a, at eight and he had a an honest chat with me before the game about just going out there enjoying it you know it was one of the young guns as they say now he's an outstanding character and he's helped me a lot when he was here but uh as far as going to be like nick i've just gotta just do the best i can every week i don't think you can be a, a monster like he is There's an old, new face at the Scarlets. Centre Scott Williams, having returned from the Ospreys, reformed his midfield partnership with Jonathan Davis, and it looked as though they'd never been apart. Yeah, it's good. Really enjoyed it, as you said. Uh, A little bit unfortunate not to come away with a win, but I thought we showed some some good glimpses of uh, what we've been working on over the summer. You certainly showed glimpses in attack. How was it to be back to forge that partnership with John as well in midfield, which seemed seemed to go well? Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was like uh, rolling back the years of it. Uh, like I say, I played with John quite a bit before, so it was uh, quite seamless coming straight back in with him. And, you know, he's an unbelievable player. So to be able to play inside him, and it was really enjoyable. And, yeah, just enjoying it overall. It's been it's been amazing now. Everyone's um, taken me back in. And, yeah, it's just nice to be able to have a smile on my face again. Can you just give us an insight into your emotions on Saturday, Scott? You know, you what you've been through with your back injuries and all that while you've been at the Ospreys. Just how did it feel to run out, you know, obviously with crowds as well? Yeah, it was brilliant to run out with the full stadium, even though it was away from home. Yeah, to put, put the Scarlet jersey back on, it was a bit special and uh, just thankful to, to be able to have the opportunity here. Uh, thankful to all the coaches and, and the staff. Um, to give them the opportunity and like I said I just want to enjoy my rugby again you know just fingers crossed get a, a bit of a bit of luck with with staying fit and, and getting the run of games hopefully so yeah it's exciting And when you left the Ospreys in the summer I mean was there a bit of sort of I guess it must have been a bit of uncertainty for yourself you know if people if someone you know was going to pick you up or whatever what was that like and, and how grateful were you to the Scarlets for obviously bringing you back yeah, it was tough. Obviously, being injured and out of contract wasn't ideal. And I knew myself how I felt and what I felt like I could still do on the field. You know, a lot of people probably doubted me and I could see why, you know, being out of contract and 
being maybe high risk options for clubs, but thankful to the staff, the coaches here, Peely, for for one believing in me and and yeah, I've just got them to to repay really. That's my main focus on is being thankful for them for giving me the opportunity and hopefully I can show them what I what I can still do and how I feel, what I can still give to the team. And at the level you guys play at, you're always carrying like a little bit of a bump or a knock or whatever. But in terms of yourself, do you feel sort of pain-free, injury-free now? I think if you ask everyone, no one's really pain-free. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm feeling really good, fittest. I've probably been for years. Um, we've had a good pre-season. But that was the toughest thing for me. Was was it easy for me to tell people how I feel, but um, just didn't have the opportunity to to show really what I could still do. I knew how I felt really fit and the best I felt for years. Um, like I say, I just hopefully get a um, a better luck with, with the run of games and, and I can prove some people wrong. When you've been injured for so long, does it make you appreciate it even, even more? You know, you've achieved so much in your career and I'm sure you didn't take it for granted, but when you're out for so long, does it make you appreciate playing a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. I think it makes you realise how much enjoying it makes a difference. It's not being nice being injured, but you know, everyone is it's a part of the job. Everyone picks up an injury here and there, and sometimes it's it's tough. I'm not gonna lie, it has been a tough couple of seasons, but I don't wanna uh, dwell too much on that. I just wanna focus on, like I said, just repaying the people who have given me the opportunity and proving people wrong. That's my main goal. And like I said, I know how I feel. Um, what I still feel that I can do on the field and what I can bring to the team. So that is my main focus. Um, I don't want to go into too much depth about the couple of those dark times, but maybe for my book after rugby or something. But uh, yeah, that's the part of the sport, unfortunately, that that is tough. I'm, I'm not just saying that it's just me because you know everyone goes out through tough injuries and you see him boys like Anscombe back on the pitch on the weekend and having been with him over the last couple of seasons and, you know, the place where he's been and to see him back on the field was, was great on the weekend and just things like that and um, that people don't uh, see, like you say, and, and understand that effect it has on on your wives, your partners, your children, everything. Um, it's tough, but it's what I love doing and the only thing I want to do. So, um They'll have to just just deal with it, I think. But uh, no, you're right. It is it is tough. Given what your back put you through, or what you put your back through for the World Cup and stuff since all those injuries behind you, you happy now that everything you've had a bit of a run of them. Are they all you physically are fine now? Yeah, like I said, it's, it's the best I've felt for for a good couple of years. Well, since pre-injury in my back, like you said, I took a risk to play for my country for the World Cup. Um, didn't quite work out, but I wouldn't change my decision on giving myself that opportunity because I gave myself an opportunity to make the World Cup by making the warm-up game. Unfortunately, that decision obviously out of my hands and um, I wouldn't change that decision. It'd be easy to say, you know, yeah, I should have had the operation straight away, but for the cards I had on the table at that time, it was either give myself a chance to to play for Wales, which I've always wanted to do since I was a kid, and why I play rugby, um, or have the operation automatically miss the World Cup. So it was only one option there for me to do that. 
afterwards, obviously it wasn't right. And then I've had that fixed now. And like I said, it's frustrating because I've come back best I felt and then obviously fractured my shoulder Christmas period. Yeah, just just concentrating on myself, really. Just kept my head down, trained hard and just needed that one one person to believe in me. And Scarless really obviously knew what I could do potentially. I haven't been here before and I just um, want to repay them for giving me that chance. A bit of an injury theme here as we move on to the Dragons and back rower Ollie Griffiths. One cap for Wales is a poor return for someone of his abilities, but he's a truly rotten luck with injuries. So might his luck be about to change at last? Well, I've been saying that for the last four years, haven't we? So I don't know, maybe fifth time lucky. I, don't know. I feel good. His body's good. Hopefully so, yeah, I don't think so. Is that how you look back in an all Just bad luck? You play a physical game, injuries happen, and you've just been unluckier than most? Uh, I do think that is it, just because my injuries are so um, so sporadic. There's no sort of general theme to them, like jaw, ankle. Um, it's not like they're all soft tissue or they're all one injury. So I do think it is just just rugby injuries, as a lot of people say. A lot of them have been impact. So yeah, I think it is just a lot of bad luck. I think my position as well, sort of get through a lot of, a lot of work throughout the game, a lot of collisions and impacts. So I just think it is one of those things. Are there bits of you that you haven't injured? A uh, couple, I think, yeah. It's easier to list off the ones I have, though. <laughs> I mean, you're smiling and you're relaxing <clears throat> about it now. I mean, how have you dealt with it? Because it must become draining, probably draining talking about it, but how, was, how have you dealt with it over the last three or four years? Uh, it's been difficult. I, I sort of try to gain perspective on it and think, at the end of the day, I'm still a lot luckier than most, even if I am injured in a fortunate position where in a good job, come to work every day with my mates. Um, and it could be a lot worse. You see boys in, uh, get injured early on in their careers and they go retire. If I look back five or six years ago, I would have thought I would have been in a different position as I am now. I thought I would have had a lot more caps. Um, but it is what it is. Like At the end of the day, you can only control what you can control. And if you take that sort of mindset, it does make things a little bit easier. I suppose I just got to trust the process and what will happen, what will happen. I might have the rest of my season going uninjured and getting to the Welsh squad or I might get injured next year and be out for a year. So it's sort of just, that's rugby, that's the unknown and all you can do is control what you can control. Has it made you kind of change the way you play at all over the last couple of years or is it impossible to do that? You just play and what happens, happens. Uh, I think it'd be easy to sort of go into myself and avoid collisions and get through less work with them. Well, that's not the sort of player I, I am or I want to be. I'd almost rather be 100% and have the injury history I've had than go out and just get through games and tick boxes, if that makes sense. I mean, if you look at the positions uh, back rows get themselves into, they're always um, top tacklers, carriers, rucks. So that risk automatically goes up when you're making more contacts than the majority of people in different positions. So, yeah, that is part of it. You're talking about getting more caps, getting noticed if you're going to get noticed. It's not a bad way to do it up against Leinster. Everyone knows how good Leinster are. I think we need to be on our money in every facet of our game. I think if you if you slip up in one thing, whether it be scrum or line-up, they take advantage. If your defence isn't on point that day, they'll take advantage. So every part of our game needs to be the best. It's been throughout world pre-season and in the past. Um, and if that happens, I've got no doubt that we can uh, be successful against them. But... Uh, no doubt about it, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, Leinster are the best team in the rugby championship now. 
Um, so yeah, it's going to be difficult, but I know that if we get everything right and play the sort of rugby we know we're capable of, then there's no reason as to why we can't come away with a win. Good luck to all the regions this weekend. Plenty to report back on next week, including more from the coaching team for Wales Women. But until then, from the Welsh Rugby Union podcast, goodbye.